Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Welcome in, OutKick listeners. We have got one heck of a big announcement. You probably already know by now if you're downloading the podcast, but if you don't, Jason Whitlock has joined OutKick as a new partner alongside of me and the media company that we are building. Uh, He is going to join us for, I think, one of the most honest discussions you're going to find anywhere in sports media. Special Monday edition of OutKick, the coverage. We're breaking news for you. Jason Whitlock joining OutKick. I'm really, really excited about it. And I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. He's going to be doing a lot of great stuff for us. Go read his column up at OutKick.com today. Put OutKick in as one of your bookmarks for sure. Lots of great content coming your direction. And on top of that, I encourage all of you to make sure that you have subscribed to this podcast or told your friends to do so. Happy Monday show and the new OutKick begins now. Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. I teased big news last night on Twitter, and I'm going to go ahead and give you that in a couple of minutes, and then we're going to have a special show, and I'll explain exactly what I mean. But first, off the jump here, I want to just talk for a couple of minutes about the absurdity of all of the wrangling over the return of sports. You guys know on this show that I have tried to be as straightforward and honest with you about real factual data as I can. And on Sunday, we hit a nearly 
three-month low in deaths from the coronavirus. And you probably aren't hearing this from very many media people because most people in media want to terrify you. But I believe that one reason why our audience is expanding to the degree that it is is because I try to be as honest with you every single day as I can. And so yesterday, there were 358 people who died of the coronavirus According to the COVID project, you can go check it out. They put out the latest data. 485,082 people were tested for the coronavirus and 4.4% of those people, 21,486 were positive. That is the actual data from Sunday. 358 deaths. That's the lowest number of deaths from the coronavirus since March the 26th. Okay, so we are almost all the way back to when team sports stopped in terms of deaths on the date. Right. Why does this matter? This matters because whether it's Major League Baseball, the NHL or the NBA, the players are at every single day increasingly less risk. And we heard a lot of talk out there about how with all the protests that were going on and everything else, that there was going to be a huge spike in the overall number of cases and infections and everything else out there. I'm not saying 100% we're through the woods and it's not going to happen. But what I am going to tell you is that so far we haven't seen it. And most of the time, the average incubation period for this virus is four to five days. And so if we were going to see it, then you would think that we would have already seen it given that the protest started two weeks ago. Uh, And yet we have still not seen their overall impact in the numbers. So we'll see whether we do or not. I guess you could argue that the numbers would be even more substantially lower if there had not been any protest, and, and, and maybe that's accurate, maybe there's some truth to that. We don't know because the protest happened and there may have been some uh, community spread as a result. But this is significant for sports fans out there because it's a decent data point that would suggest that fans can be present this fall. And let me explain what I mean by that. Yes, protesting, exercising your First Amendment rights, it's incredibly important. But the virus doesn't care whether you're protesting or whether you're watching a football or baseball game in terms of spread. It's not going to consider the motivation of the crowd in terms of whether it moves from one person to another. And at least based on the data that we have seen so far, there were hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that participated in protests across this entire country, and we haven't seen it lead to a spike in cases or spike in deaths so far. Things can always change. Certainly, if we've learned anything at all in 2020, it's that predicting what's going to happen from one minute to the next is uh, going to likely make us all look foolish. But so far, we have not yet seen any substantial impact, which bodes well for the return of sports and not just the return of sports, but the return of sports potentially with crowds present to watch games. All right, so I wanted to give you all that information right off the jump here because I know a lot of you turned to me because I've tried to be optimistic about the data and when sports are going to be back, and I remain incredibly optimistic about the NFL and college football and everybody being able to play. Now, here's the news, and I am ecstatic about being able to share this news with you. Jason Whitlock left FS1 Speak for Yourself 
just a couple of weeks ago. He is now going to be joining OutKick as a partner in the media company that I have built. He is at Whitlock Jason on Twitter. He is going to join us here momentarily and spend the morning with us talking in a more sophisticated and intelligent manner about all the challenges of the world that are intersecting with sports. And I'm telling you, if you have not signed up for the podcast yet, go sign up for the podcast because you may be in your car, you may be headed to work, you may only hear five or ten minutes of this conversation that we're going to have. And I guarantee you, by the time we finish the show today, you're going to feel better I believe, about the country. Because I think there are a lot of people out there that are really nervous. I know the audience has grown for this program because there's so much fear that's bombarding you all day long, all day long on social media, and it can feel like you're carrying around a heavy weight on your shoulders no matter what you do for a living. So Jason Whitlock is going to join me. He's going to be a partner in OutKick. My media company, you can go check out OutKick.com. Certainly, it's this radio show, Periscope, Facebook shows, podcast, uh, all the written content. We've been talking about all the new additions we've made to the site. Uh, we have got a burgeoning media business that I am super excited about because I believe that sports is at its best when it brings everyone together, whether you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, gay or straight, whether you are religious or not religious at all, whatever your background is, what I believe this show represents and I believe what sports represents is the idea that when you're in a stadium or you're in an arena and your favorite team scores and you turn around to high-five the people around you, you don't think about the things that make you different. Whether you're a neurosurgeon or whether you're a janitor at the hospital, you can both still sit down in the cafeteria and talk to each other about sports in a way, frankly, that I think many of the connective tissues and fabrics in our country are being torn asunder. Sports, to me, still uniquely can bring people together. And I think Jason Whitlock and I think I and I think the staff that we are putting together at OutKick is going to be the most fearless and the smartest in all of sports media when it comes to having real conversations and addressing real issues in front of the country today. And so I cannot wait to officially bring him in as we are doing this morning, announcing this news. I can't wait for him to start writing every single day at OutKick. I can't wait for him to start a daily podcast and for him to become a regular guest even more so on this program. I know a lot of you out there have loved listening to Jason on this radio program over the years. I know a lot of you liked his television show, Speak for Yourself, which was uh, really smart and growing so quickly. And we'll, I'll, I'll get him to tell you why he's decided to join OutKick. Uh, it's not about what other places uh, did wrong. It's just about what he's excited to be able to do with us. So I think this is going to be uh, send shockwaves a little bit throughout the sports media community. Uh, to me, this is an incredible addition for the OutKick brand. If I could go out and draft anybody in, uh, in, in a sports media draft right now, Jason Whitlock would be my number one overall pick. We've been friends for years. Uh, I didn't know that this opportunity was going to arise, but I am obviously ecstatic about it. 
And uh, I am thrilled for what it's going to mean for this radio program, for what it's going to mean for uh, for our website, for what it's going to mean for our podcast network, and what it's going to mean, I think, just in general for having smarter, more honest, and more authentic conversations surrounding the world of sports. We are going to be the most fearless and intelligent brand in all of sports media and I really do believe that a lot of you are going to love the content that we are going to produce. So when I come back, I'm going to bring in Jason Whitlock. We're going to have a special Monday edition of OutKick. Uh, we are going to have Jason Whitlock sitting with us talking about, we're going to go, uh, the two of us, a serious discussion about all the different issues going on in sports. Also an optimistic and hopeful one, I believe, again, If you were only in your car for a few minutes and you're only going to hear a part of this, I would encourage you again to go subscribe to the OutKick podcast. If you give us five stars, Danny G will uh, be able to come back and uh, and he will read all sorts of those reviews. If you get your uh, review read, then we will go ahead and send you a copy of my latest book autographed. Uh, But... All of that is still to come. I am ecstatic. It's a big day for OutKick. I think it's a big day for sports media. It's a big addition for our brand, and I cannot wait uh, to celebrate with all of you as a part of this conversation we're about to have with Jason Whitlock. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis. There's plenty to celebrate in March, and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with the new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Jason Whitlock, at Whitlock Jason, you can find him on Twitter. All right, I'm excited. We've known each other for years now. We are officially partners. And now that this news is out there, that we're going to be working together. First of all, welcome. I can't wait. I know that Twitter is going to be fired up all day today. Uh, but but uh, I, well, let's just start here, because I think that's the first question people are going to ask, is why OutKick? What was it about the OutKick platform, podcasting, writing, uh, universal media reach, really, as we continue to grow, that was attractive to you? Well, I mean, first and foremost, there's certainly a synergy between our two brands. Uh, We both have a fearless approach to the discussion about sports and all of society. And so there was... Clearly, that synergy, uh, you know, as I wrote in a column this morning for OutKick, there were larger or just more motivating factors in terms of where I'm at in the media space and, you know, a full understanding of who I am and what defines me and why the current mainstream media landscape is uncomfortable for me. And when you have the values that I have, uh, you know, I identify myself as a Christian, and I identify myself as someone who loves the United States of America and understand its flaws, but am really appreciative that I live, I believe, in the greatest place on earth. And so when you have those two values and then you toss in the fact my football values, there's just a lot of hostility for someone who stays true to those values of Christianity, love of country, and my sports background and upbringing. And it's just, and again, I'm taking no shots at anywhere I've worked. Uh, I just think mainstream corporate media is in such a tenuous, compromised position, and their advertisers, major corporations, are so concerned about getting caught up in any kind of Twitter or social media controversy that 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 there's a fear that permeates mainstream corporate America that's just not comfortable for me, and it's just not. It's hard to be as authentically me right now in the mainstream media. And so when you factor in who my dad was and my dad's influence on me, I just think having ownership in my own thing has always been important to me, and it was inevitable that I was going to make that move. And so the opportunity to partner with you at OutKick uh, to build Ultimate Momentum, you've already built and and then I mean honestly, Clay, I think the decision you made to bring in Sam Savage was just another key determining factor. He's had so much success at building these platforms that I just felt like this was a no-brainer. The, the where we are in the country in terms of this racial divide, 
I think it's important for you and I to work together and to be a symbol or an example of, look, man, black and white people can still work together and still have honest discussions with each other. And so for those reasons and probably a bunch more, that's why, you know, joining you at OutKick and joining Sam at OutKick was kind of a no-brainer for me. All right, so you're going to be doing a lot of things. You're going to have a podcast. You're going to be writing. You're going to be coming on this radio show as a regular guest. What, and you said a lot in that opening question, and, and, and I really do think there are a lot of people out there that are really uncomfortable and fearful about where America is right now. And I think one of the reasons is because we don't have honest conversations about a lot of different subjects. So we are going to have an honest conversation for a lot of people out there. I'm saying, you know, you might be in your car for five or 10 minutes driving into work this morning. Maybe you're coming home from work. Uh, I'd encourage you to go listen to this entire thing and not just hear five or 10 minute uh, segments of it. Cause I think we're going to hopefully make people feel a lot better by being honest as we can, as we work through, but let's start here. Um, you said something that I thought was interesting about football and, and how important it has been for you. For people out there who are listening right now and may not be familiar with you, you played college football at Ball State. Where, would, where do you think you would be if football didn't exist in your life? Probably I would have went to work for my dad at his bar uh, in Indianapolis. And, you know, I would have been some sort of manager and probably at this point, I mean, my dad has passed away. I'd probably own that bar in Indianapolis. It, it was literally his last bar that he owned was called the Masterpiece Lounge. It was my favorite place on earth. It's on the inner city. It's in the inner city on kind of the east side of Indianapolis. And, you know, I would have probably existed in that sphere, in that area for you know the entirety of my life uh if not for college football you know i was not a brilliant high school student uh you know football and athletics were my main talent and football coaches were the only people looking to bring me to a college campus and thank god that they did and look again i love the masterpiece lounge I, i love what my the life my dad built but my dad and mom wanted something bigger and better for me. And the ability to go to a college campus and get a college degree and expand my horizon, expand my outlook on the possibilities available to me for in life were tremendous. And it just wouldn't have happened without football. And so I'm someone that, you know, never got a whiff of the NFL, but football certainly transformed my life. Do you feel like football's under siege? I don't feel I, it's it's certainly under siege. It, it's Why is not that? a feeling. It's a uh, because everything in America has turned divisively political, and I think that America's enemies, China, <laughs> Russia, uh, understand the importance of sports to American culture. And I think nothing has been more important to American culture than American football. It's the number one show on five different television networks. That makes it the greatest force in American popular culture. And I think if you look at the history of America and how sports 
has been a leader in us handling racial issues and the promotion of racial harmony and progress in America. I think people that want to see America fall realize that football, the NFL, is the strongest uh, American conservative institution and it's it's baked right into the identity of America. And if you can bring it down, if you can diminish it, damage it, make it a divisive issue, you have a chance to make Americans turn on each other in a more vicious and irrational way if you can use football as a wedge issue. And so that's why I think that, and I wrote this in 2017 for the Wall Street Journal, that Colin Kaepernick was being used by people who want to destabilize America and who want to bring down American football. I just think Colin Kaepernick's involved in something that's bigger than him. He doesn't understand how he's being used and manipulated. At this point, he doesn't care. I think he's so bitter about the way his NFL career ended, and I think that you know Ness has been so passionately in his ear and convincing him that you know this place is evil and. I, I get it. Colin Kaepernick, and I have some sympathy for Colin Kaepernick because he had a difficult, a happy but difficult upbringing. When you are, you don't know your father, and your mother gives you up for adoption, you're half black, half white, you're adopted by a suburban white family, there are some identity issues that America's going to put you through and you're going to experience. And so I just think Colin's a bit confused, and he's really leaned into, I'm going to be uh, the Malcolm X or the Angela Davis, or I'm going to be extra over-the-top militant, and this is his black moment. He, he's really finding his black experience, uh, but I think forces greater than him and smarter than him are using him to diminish the NFL and paint the NFL as racist and cause these players, again, that I, get, I think they're well-intentioned, but I don't think they fully understand the business model that has made them all immaculately, immaculately rich. And the NFL built its brand and audience around it was a part of Americana. It was a part of patriotic ideals. And so when you start this promotion of kneeling during the national anthem, it goes against your entire business model of the last 50 years. The NFL didn't get here by accident. Pete Rozelle and the people, the architects of the early NFL, strategically aligned the NFL with these patriotic ideas so that it could overtake baseball as the most American of all sports. And I'm not sure if the players fully recognize that what they're doing is in total contradiction to the business model that made the league rich, but I think they're soon going to find out over the next three to five years that that the NFL is going to be diminished and hurt in terms of ratings, relevance, and then eventually financially. And everybody that plays the game is going to have to dig into their pockets and pay the cost for this protest movement during the national anthem. We're talking to Jason Whitlock, newest outkick partner at Whitlock. Jason, go follow him on Twitter. What did you think about the treatment of Drew Brees? Uh, it became a huge story 
when Drew Brees said that he thought it was disrespectful not to stand for the anthem. And by the way, I wanted to go back because it's like everybody is uh, everybody is redefining uh, Colin Kaepernick. But I went and pulled the quotes right after Colin Kaepernick uh, refused to stand for the anthem in August of 2016. And after that game, he said, I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country that oppresses black people and people of color. Uh, it would be selfish on, uh, to me, this is bigger than football. It would be selfish on my part to look the other way. Uh, all right. So, and then he continued, there are bodies in the street and people getting paid leave and getting away with murder. But I want to go back to that opening question. I am not going to stand up to show pride in a flag for a country. That's the opening statement that he made when he decided not to stand for the national anthem. Now people are saying it's not about the flag. Didn't Colin Kaepernick make it directly about the flag with those initial comments about his protest? Yeah, I think without question his comments did that, but look, his actions did it as well. If yeah. it's not about the flag or the national anthem, why are you doing it while the national anthem plays and while the flag is being flown? There's other opportunities. Do it at the beginning of the first quarter. Do it at halftime. Do it at the end of the game. Do it, but again, there's a strategic reason why you did it at the playing of the national anthem and when the flag is flying and being respected. As it relates to Drew Brees, I, I wouldn't look this morning to find out So I would be clear on exactly what Drew Brees said, and I thought he said, I would never agree with anybody who disrespects the flag. And I just find that comment so innocuous, so harmless, so uncontroversial that it bothers me and it defies logic that it was seen as so polarizing and divisive and hurtful that the guys had to issue two or three different apologies and had to backpedal. Drew Brees isn't the only person that feels that way. I don't agree. I think there are better, more effective ways to combat police brutality, get your message out about uh, police misconduct, than kneeling during the playing of the national anthem and the flying of the flag. There's better ways to do it. I won't agree with anybody that chooses to use that time because they're distorting their message. They're promoting a discussion about the appropriateness of protesting during the national anthem flag. They haven't raised awareness about police misconduct. So Drew Brees' comments just were harmless, didn't need to be rebuked in the way that they were. But it just speaks to the power of social media uh, to assassinate the character of people uh, and twist their words and goad and provoke other people that all we're all addicted to this dopamine high from social media. The likes, retweets, follows, all of that is very addictive. That's what's driving the actions of a lot of these players and the people that spoke out against Drew Brees. It's they just want that social media high. I don't think anybody truly believes Drew Brees has said something that he needs to apologize for. 
All right, when we come back, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more. We're also going to get into the dopamine high that is social media and how it's impacting athlete decisions. Uh, We're going to talk about a ton of topics here. Jason Whitlock, at Whitlock Jason, ironically enough. You can go follow him on Twitter there uh, and give him a dopamine high. And uh, we will continue this conversation. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, LeVar Arrington here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design. The Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before or check out the fully redesigned tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a toyota truck you buy toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com toyota let's go play places. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job stop by o'reilly auto parts and ask about their loaner tool program simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool then get your deposit back when it's returned need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly the professional parts people at o'reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. All right, what you just said about Drew Brees is similar to what I just said, what I said a couple weeks ago about Drew Brees. 
it was almost non-existent anywhere else in the sports media despite the fact that Drew Brees had given $5 million to uh, Louisiana charities, despite the fact that he probably matters over the last 15 to 20 years, more for his particular location, Louisiana, and his particular city, New Orleans, than almost any athlete in the entirety of the NFL. He went from hero to uh, pariah, to you know saint to center, uh, almost overnight literally in the space of one answered question when he was asked a question about the national anthem why do you think there was so little real discussion about what drew Brees said and such a rush to condemn him because it's just not allowed and and what i mean by that and i, I wrote about it in the column this morning major media corporations and their major corporate sponsors live in fear, a justifiable fear in their mind, of social media backlash. And I I just think that anybody that goes on television and says, hey, man, what Drew Brees says isn't a big deal, runs the risk of having their character assassinated over social media the same way Drew Brees was. Tony Dungy one of the most respected coaches in the history of American sports, I think offered up a tepid defense of Drew Brees. And I saw people going after Tony Dungy. And it's just like, wow. I mean, how impeccable is Tony Dungy's resume and character and all of his accomplishments, but people will go after him. And so I just think that most people in the media, particularly white people in the media, but just as just as acutely, black people understand if you don't toe the social media uh, line on certain issues, social media will come after you, your bosses will frown at you, and corporate sponsors may distance themselves from you out of fear of social media. And so it's hard for me to be hypercritical of the media because they're protecting their bottom lines. They have families and careers to protect. They don't want to be canceled either. And so the the thing to do is to say nothing, but that's becoming harder because there's almost a requirement that you all chime in with the group think and, and think that everybody else does or, you know, they silence is violence. Silence is compliance. These are all the slogans that are getting tossed around. And so I don't blame people for being fearful of saying something and I halfway don't blame them for playing along with the game because they're just trying to protect their careers. It's fascinating. We're talking to Jason Whitlock at Whitlock Jason on Twitter. You can go read his newest column, his debut column. There's going to be a lot of them at outkick.com. So one of the things that I think is, you know, I'm a First Amendment guy, right? And, And a lot of people claim that they are. But when it really comes push to shove, they, they clam up and get silent really quickly anytime there's a controversy. One reason why I love having you as a part of our site and why I'm so excited about a lot of the people that we're hiring is not because we're all going to think the same thing on every issue, 
but because I believe, based on my hiring, that everybody understands the importance of debate. And let me give an example out there that I'll take outside of the world of sports. I think the two worst decisions that we have made as a country in the 21st century were wildly popular with both Democrats and Republicans. And I believe those two things are the war in Iraq, where we had very limited debate about whether we should go spend trillions of dollars going to war in Iraq. Saddam Hussein didn't have weapons of mass destruction. I'm not trying to get political, but I think the failure was not debate and disagreement or conflict. It was the lack thereof. If you didn't support the war, you weren't patriotic. Therefore, we ended up in a war we never should have been in. And now I believe where we are is we're uh, the second worst decision is we're still a lot of people are locked down. There are people listening to us right now in Pennsylvania or Michigan or California or uh, or Illinois who still are not able to get out and about, even though as the details on the virus have come out, we have realized that if you're under 50 and healthy, you aren't in a great deal of risk, yet we've cost over 40 million people their jobs. It might take a decade to get back to where we were in February. These are things that everyone agreed with. So, Jason, where I come from is I'm skeptical when everybody's on the same side. This may be the lawyer in me, but I tend to think, okay, what are we missing? Because totalitarian dictatorships all vote for the same person to be a leader, but it ain't a debate. And what I'm concerned about on social media is it seems to me there is a rush to reach a consensus and then rapidly anybody who takes a step back and says, wait a minute, are we really thinking about this intelligently or logically? If you conflict with somebody's emotion, you get attacked. And I think you see that all the time as well. I think you get demonized if you question the conventional groupthink. And that's just a place where America was never supposed to be. We, we should be having robust debates about virtually everything. But even more than that, what, what I think is not just the elimination of debate. It's the elimination of fact. Yeah. And that's what is really concerning to me because you create a myth and a narrative over social media and even if it's not factual, and the biggest one we got going right now is that the police are just out randomly killing black men. And it's not a fact. The, the, the numbers and the data, the research, the evidence, all of that contradicts that this is some sort of massive problem. I say that for anybody that's never heard me talk before. I lost a cousin, Anton Butler, to police misconduct and violence. But it's a rare occurrence. And that is a fact, that it's a rare occurrence. We've now moved to this point where people, public figures, LeBron James, can just randomly say, we're hunted every time we step out of our house, and people act and uh, give in to irrational fear about that, and then all their public comments are consistent with, like, oh, yeah, the police are just out randomly killing black people. And so the elimination of just common sense facts and people just like, hey, we got to go with what the data says and what the truth is, that has been eliminated. And there's this, and it goes right to your point about the lockdown and the coronavirus. There are all kinds of facts and evidence about about who's really at risk, 
uh, your recover. I just had a friend, a very dear friend, who I respect a great deal. He he texted us recently. Um, one of my friend's daughters survived COVID. God's mercy knows no bounds. It took all of my discipline not to say, hey, friend, I won't say his name, but, you know, 99.9% of people are surviving COVID. It's, I think it's great, but I don't think this was a miracle. And particularly, the daughter's young, so the recovery rate's almost incredible. We have eliminated facts, replaced it with fear and media narratives that can't be fact-checked, or they certainly seem resistance to fact-check in any dissent, and that's a dangerous, dangerous place. There's no doubt. All right, when we come back, we got a lot to get into. Hour number one in the books with the newest partner at Outkick, Jason Whitlock. You can follow him on Twitter at WhitlockJason. When we come back, I want to dive into the NBA, what players are saying about whether or not they are going to return. I want to uh, talk about the uh, the situation right now with the intense politicization of all sports in general, what that means, what Jason thinks would happen if Colin Kaepernick comes back into the NFL, and so many other different storylines. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. I want to start now with this, Jason. You had built an incredibly successful show at Speak for Yourself. Um, the, the show was the fastest growing, uh, and I'm not just saying this, I mean, the data all reflects it, was the fastest growing, the biggest uh, audience increaser as a percentage for of any show out there in all of sports. And you've been working on that for four years. You could have stayed. You decided that you wanted a new challenge for a long time, if you talk to people out there, the goal was, hey, I want to get to television. I want to have my own show. You did it. You've done it now multiple places. Why decide to walk away from Speak for Yourself, and what kind of relationship do you have now with the guys who are still working on that show? Well, I think my relationship with the guys I was working on the show is, is rock solid and unchanged. I, I think, I hope that I handled everything in a very professional and respectful way. Uh, I certainly didn't try to uh, harm anyone uh, with my decision, and I felt like I left them in a spot where the show can continue, can continue along the same path and brand. Uh, from my understanding is, you know, Uncle Jimmy and Darnell Smith will continue to be with the show. Obviously, Marcellus is going to have an enhanced role. Uh, they've already announced the uh, hire of Emmanuel Acho. So, you know, the show continues. And but But my decision to leave just has a lot to do with where can I be most effective? And it's funny, Clay, I was talking uh, late last week with the young kid that works uh, for for us, for you, at OutKick, Bobby Burak, and we had a conversation where Bobby said something that I believe, but I hadn't thought of. And he literally said, he goes, who do you think has the best job in sports media? And I was like, well, let me think about it. And he goes, he goes I think it's Dave Portnoy at, at, at Barstool Sports. That's what Bobby said. And then he named other, like Bill Simmons and Clay Travis. And it's like the people with independence. 
now actually have the best jobs in the sports media. It used to be, oh, my God, can I get a TV show at ESPN or with Fox Sports? Can I get a column at ESPN or one of these other major platforms? But really, the when you think about where we're at right now in the media, having your own deal, being your own boss, having the freedom to be the authentic you – at all times, that's the ultimate place you want to be. And so if you took it outside the sports sphere and looked at an Adam Carolla, a Joe Rogan, a Ben Shapiro, those guys are the major influencers and the people that can just be their authentic self at all times while making a good living and while uh, saying what they want and influencing the culture in the way that they want, that's where you want to be. And so for me, at age 53, it was kind of a now or never time. And, and I certainly explored options at Fox Sports and ESPN. And if I could have struck a deal that was right and gave my chance, the ultimate, my show, the ultimate chance of having the ultimate success, I probably wouldn't be here. But given all the parameters for my return and given, again, where I finally, where my finally wrapped my brain around, hey, where can I be me all the time? Where can I be happiest? I am Jimmy Whitlock's son. I am someone who has beliefs that just aren't comfortable to express in the mainstream media right now. And so it really just became a no-brainer decision that I needed to get out and on my own and the opportunity to partner with you on something that was already working and then take it to the next level is just it's it's just too good to pass up. We're talking to Jason Whitlock at Whitlock Jason. So you and I are friends and we've had a lot of conversations that aren't public. Uh, the vast majority of them, in fact. Obviously, people can listen to us talk right now. Uh, but some of those conversations will involve around politics, right? And you are not a voter. You're not a political person. Um, but it, one of the things that's fascinating is, and you've talked about this, people can look at me and they say, oh, Clay Travis, he's a white guy. But they don't necessarily know if I'm walking down the street what I what I think about anything, right? I'm not necessarily being typecast. I could be voting Democrat. I could be voting Republican. I could be a big gun guy. I could not be a big gun guy. I could be pro-choice. I could be, uh, you know, anti the idea of abortion. Like there are a lot of different things that all of us represent, but you can't really tell. A lot of times in this universe that we're in now, you and I had this conversation where Black guys and black women don't necessarily have that same luxury. I want you to kind of explore that a little bit with me here, if you would. Am I accurately reflecting that, you know, look, Asian, Hispanic, white, you don't really know what the likely voting is. But if you look at the uh, end results of every presidential election, there's an expectation that if you're black, you vote a certain way or you think a certain way. Am I accurately reflecting that? How would you analyze it? Yeah, I think you're a thousand percent accurate. You just don't have a choice or 
there's certainly that pressure of you don't have a choice. I have avoided politics because it just doesn't fit my personality in terms of me voting, participating. Because, again, when I support something, I support it in the realest way possible, and my expectations go through the roof. And so it's like people will read my column this morning and be like, man, Whitlock is crazy. He thinks OutKick is going to influence American society and culture. That is my expectations, and I'm going to work every day to make that a reality. And so if I vote for you, my expectations go through the roof. I expect you to live up to the things that you say you're going to do. That doesn't happen a lot in politics, so I've, cho- I've chosen to, you know, I'm good, I'll pass on that. As, as a media personality, I, I, it's worked for me because I don't want people making assumptions about what I believe or think based on politics. I don't want to be defined by politics. And so while I've worked in sports media and I've tried to be very respectful of my employers, I stuck to sports and really yeah. had no problem with it because I wrote about sports in a way to where I could cover the things in politics that crossed with sports, but all the rest of it, you know, I could leave alone. Having said that, now working for OutKick, now working for uh, Clay Travis, Jason Whitlock, and Sam Savage, and it's just us three, I'll probably have a little bit more to say about politics. I'm not going to choose a political side. I'm not, I'm, pro- I'm not going to vote or participate. But as a taxpayer and as a person that thinks a lot about life, I probably will have more to say about politics and what's going because it's having such an enormous impact on the sports world right now. Because, again, you've got LeBron James out here starting a, a, a voter drive and a, a registration group for, for politics. And so I just think I will be more actively speaking, writing, and talking about politics uh, than I have previously but I'm probably still going to remain a non-participant. What do you think about the rise on social media of people like Candace Owens? Uh, Because I don't know if you've seen the new Chappelle special yet. It's out there. She has rapidly elevated herself to such an extent in the national discussion. And if there's people out there who don't know, she is a prominent black, I would say conservative political activist, although I don't really think that it's necessarily fair to label her as just conservative because she has a variety of different opinions like all of us do but that is her primary uh primary audience i would say and she is elevated and shot up so quickly into the national discourse that dave Chappelle is talking about her on as a part of his comedy special and i saw her tweet i follow her on twitter because i think she says a lot of interesting things um and i saw where she like people are like haha dave Chappelle lit you up And she said something that I thought was really interesting and I wish we got more of. He's a fabulous comedian, basically, and I'm paraphrasing her. What is it? I consider it to be an honor that he's willing to include me as a part of his routine and ridicule me. I'd like to meet him one day, which I thought was such a perfect response because so many people, if they get ripped today, 
they immediately curl up in the fetal position or they lash out or they're angry. One thing that I think might surprise people is you and I don't take ourselves too seriously, right? Like we have serious opinions, but when somebody wants to make fun of us, we're not the kind of people who are like permanently offended by it. What do you think of Candace? What do you think of that reaction? And what does it say about society that Dave Chappelle has got her as a part of his comedy special now? Well, you've asked a mouthful, and I hope we have time to cover my thoughts on Candace, because one, you start entering the political discussion, people take your words apart and look for things that you don't intend. And so one thing I'll say is I've met Candace. Uh, I went and spoke at some conservative conference she had in D.C. a couple years ago. Uh, I think Candace is well-intentioned. I question some of her methods. Uh, You know, I think that her recent comments about George Floyd are based in some brutal truths, but her delivery of those brutal truths I get why they were off-putting and perhaps undermine a message that she's trying to specifically direct towards black people. Again, I had a cousin killed by a police misconduct, in my, me and my family's opinion. He had a criminal rap sheet. I would be offended if Candace Owens talked about my cousin the way she talked about George Floyd, even though I can't say some of the allegations or crimes George Floyd was committed were more reprehensible, in my opinion, than anything my cousin was involved in. But, but and this is where I, I got to be careful because I follow Candace as well. I think she's well-intentioned. I think she's trying to shake up a black audience and get them to think about things in a different way. I question some of her methods and some of the brutal honesty. And then, and this is where it gets complicated, and I want to be clear here, but Martin Luther King Jr. wanted to do something for black people. And early in his life, uh, he fell in love. It's been written. Historians have talked about it. He talked about it, I think. He fell in love, I think, when he was in college with a white woman. And he and his family reached the conclusion, hey, Martin, you won't be an effective leader and voice for black America married to a white woman. And Martin realized that, went a different direction, eventually uh, married Coretta Scott. And so if you're going to be a really outspoken voice for black America. Every decision you make matters. I don't intend this as a criticism of uh, Candace, but I, it's in more of an explanation of how black people react to her when she's married to a white man. And it's just the reality. If you're going to be a very polarizing voice on race and try to communicate to black people, every decision matters. I don't have a problem with anybody marrying whoever they want to marry. None whatsoever. Anybody that knows me knows I have been in love with a woman outside my race. I've been in love with a white woman. I get it. But 
if you want to be in a lane where you're uh, speaking directly to black people and offering up brutal truth, every decision matters. And so I, I think Candace is well-intentioned. I think a lot of things she says has a lot of truth. But I also understand why some black people have a strong reaction, a really strong reaction to a lot of things she says. All right. When we come back, uh, I want to ask Jason Whitlock this question. What does he think about the idea of Colin Kaepernick on an NFL sideline this coming fall? What would it mean for the NFL? What would it do to the overall league? All of those situations unpacked when we come back. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. There's plenty to celebrate in March and craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new suv like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty 
tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2Pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2Pros. All right, I just teased the idea of Colin Kaepernick coming back to the NFL, Jason Whitlock. What do you think is going to happen with Colin Kaepernick? Will he be back on a sideline this fall in your best guess? And if it happens, what will that mean for the NFL? I hate to offer a guess here, but it seems the wind seems to be blowing his direction and everybody seems to be taking a knee and bowing and acquiescing to whatever irrational demand gets made and so when it when Pete Carroll's making comments about you know we thought we we I wish I regret not signing cap or whatever and so yeah I I think the NFL thinks that there's peace through acquiescence and I think it's going to be a major disaster I, I think that uh Cap, having been out of the league for three or four years at age 31 or whatever he is, he can't help a football team. Uh, But maybe they think he can help the NFL in terms of PR. And so I kind of expect them to surrender. Uh, But I, I just think, you know, I think Winston Churchill had a line about if you feed the alligator, the only benefit is you get eaten last. <laughs> and so they're going to feed the alligator, but they're going to get eaten by this alligator. Everybody in the NFL is going to pay when the whole league uh, goes to war with its fan base. And and all these people that are supporting the kneeling, the people that have overtaken the area in Seattle, Chaz, all these people scream Black Lives Matter. They're not football fans. And with Cap in the league, they're not going to fill up stadiums. Will they buy his jersey? Yes. Because that's a statement, and they can wear his jersey and say, look, I love black people. That's the easy way. Buy a jersey, and it's proof he loves black people. Now, the NFL which has made more black men millionaires than any other industry. No, 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 that, that's irrelevant. That means nothing. They did that out of racism. But buy cap jerseys, that's going to work. But I think it's going to drive off the actual fans of the NFL from watching on TV and supporting in stadiums. And so the alligator is going to end up eating the NFL. It's a fascinating analogy. So here's my thought on it. I believe that Colin Kaepernick as a martyr is ended the minute he gets a new contract. Now, there'll be an immediate vindication. Oh, see, Cap was right. Everybody was so excited about it. But the minute that Colin Kaepernick is on the sideline, because he's not going to be a starting quarterback, and he's standing there with a headset on or earbuds, and he's got a clipboard, and he's not starting, 
then all of a sudden, you know, the revolutionary nature that he represented is kind of gone because it drives back into the fact that he wasn't that great of a quarterback beaten out by Blaine Gabbard at the end of his career. He had, uh, with the 49ers, he had started to decline. He obviously was not the same quarterback who had been sort of caught lightning in a bottle with uh, with the Jim Harbaugh and everything they did with the 49ers. And so I think it makes him much less of an iconic revolutionary figure. And a part of me wonders if he might turn down the opportunity because it's arguably better for his brand to ride off into the sunset and say, I don't need the NFL. To me, if the NFL offers him, and if they make it public, whether he accepts or not, I think it hurts him. Depends on the price tag. Yeah. If he Again, this is all a shakedown. And if he can get some team to overpay, to offer him a contract, and, you know, who knows, $10 million to sign, who knows, something. If he can get enough money, He'll go stand on the sidelines, and then the new argument will be that it's racist that he's not the starting quarterback, and he'll be a victim that way. And then when he gets out on the field and he doesn't play well, they'll say, well, they kept him out of the league for three years. If they hadn't done that, he'd be in the Hall of Fame, and he'd be balling out of control. And so I think it works for Cap because right now I'm just his price tag – for coming back into the NFL is high, and I think he thinks someone's going to meet it. And so collecting that check, go stand on the sideline. He's going to continue as a martyr, and, and you know because it will be racism is the reason why he's not the starting quarterback. And then if he does play and plays poorly, it will be because racism kept him out of the NFL. And then Lord knows if he somehow played well and won, then that's a that's a hell of a story. That's Muhammad Ali coming back after sitting out, you know, a three year suspension for deferring the draft. All right. So you said something interesting. Uh, you talked about victimization, and we live in an era now where there's very much of a focus on victimization culture. Yet, to me, that conflicts directly with the idea of sports because sports is the ultimate. No one is a victim culture. Everybody starts evenly on a basketball court, football field, tennis court, whatever the place that you choose to play is. Nobody starts with a different score on the scoreboard based on any kind of victimization culture. It's the ultimate between the lines equality. Do you see as much of a conflict as I do between the attempt to make sports reflect victimization culture? Yeah, I think that's the major problem. And yeah. that's if you start looking around at why a lot of the what got a lot of these studio shows at any network in trouble and why it's hard to grow an audience is because the typical sports fan this is their safe space from all the victimization that they hear about other places and all the whining and complaining. Guys line up, beat the crap out of each other. No one whines and cries. Best man wins. There's a scoreboard. There's refs to keep the fight clean. And boom. And now all of the discussions, you know, particularly with starting with Kaepernick, it's all been about, oh, my God, this guy's a victim. And we're always, everybody's a victim. When RG3 flamed out in Washington, it was because the Shanahans were racist and RG3 was a victim. And that that whole messaging, uh, 
just undercuts all the values that have been preached in sport and what people's expectations are when they sit down to watch or discuss or debate a sports game, team, player, or whatever. It's just not a story about victims. It's a story about who conquers who. Trust me, if Muhammad Ali had lost a bunch of fights, no one would care about him. But it's because he conquered people and destroyed people in the ring. That's what made him great, and that's what made everybody respect him and eventually love him. And so this whole thing of feel sorry for me, I'm a victim, it's just off-brand for all American sports, and it's off-putting to the typical sports fan. What do you think the impact will be? I mean, we're obviously in a tumultuous time. Coronavirus, sports has been shut down from a team sport perspective basically since Rudy Gobert tested positive back in March. I think there is a huge, colossal demand, whether you're in NHL, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, whatever your team sport is, MLS, there's a huge demand that's unsated for people to be able to come back and watch sports. If we're going to return in the most intensely political environment in the history of sports in most of our lives in this country, what is that going to do to the overall marketplace of sports fans? I'm I'm sorry. I didn't quite understand the question. (laughs) I I apologize. Uh, So you agree that we're in the most intensely political universe that we've been in in a long time. My contention is what people really want from sports now more than ever is to sit down, have a beer, kick their feet up, and not be constantly reinforced with all the serious things that are going on in life. And by the way, we're going to deal with 2020 being maybe the nastiest election that's ever existed in any of our lives. Everything is hyper-political. I think people want more than ever for sports just to be about best man, best woman wins, and I don't have to think about anything but the game itself. I think we're going to end up, for most of us, in the most intensely sports-politicized environment that we've ever seen. Do you agree with that thesis, and what is that experience going to be like for fans, and what's it going to do to the business? Yeah, I, I think we're seeing sports dramatically change right before our eyes. And sports, just as a participant, hey, man, don't bring your politics into this locker room. We ain't going to discuss politics. We ain't going to argue about religion. Don't bring any of that BS in here. We're just concentrating on playing the game and the team doing the best that it can. And now look what just happened to Drew Brees and his teammates. Trust me, that's going to leave scars. Drew Brees can bend a knee and take a knee during the national anthem and apologize six, seven different times, but trust me, he is scarred. And maybe scars on the other side as well. Maybe they feel a certain way about Drew Brees. And so I think that people, black, white, whatever color, brown, we used to come together and talk about sports and just talk about the game. Now I have to think about LeBron James's politics and talk about LeBron James's politics as I'm talking about him as a basketball player, and that's just going to be uncomfortable for the most for most sports fans. We, I, I 
I don't know or I didn't know as a kid what Magic Johnson's politics were. I didn't care. I just knew I loved to watch him play the game, and the joy he played with was just amazing to me. I think we've diminished a lot of the joy that sports brings by politicizing it. Politics is a death sport. I mean, people really try to hurt each other and assassinate each other's character in politics. We've now brought that to sports. It just won't be as enjoyable nor nearly as unifying as sports has been. And that's why I say the people that want to see America destabilized know that going through the lane of sports is a terrific way to accomplish that goal. Sports was the thing that brought us all together. It is now something that's being used to tear us apart. Talking to Jason Whitlock. When we come back, I'm going to ask him about LeBron, uh, who has stepped pretty solidly and firmly into the political arena. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool, 
tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. We're talking to Jason Whitlock. He's the newest partner in OutKick. If you have not heard, go read his latest column at OutKick.com. If you're just getting in your car and starting off your day, make sure you go back, download this podcast, listen to this entire conversation a lot that I think you will feel you have gained from listening to our discussion. LeBron James, now getting very political, Jason Whitlock. How would you assess LeBron James and also... To be honest, a lot of the younger NBA players like Kyrie Irving, who seem like they are opposing LeBron James as it comes to the return of the NBA. There's a lot of different tendrils to pick apart here, but what's your general take on LeBron? Uh, Out over his skis. Uh, Anytime you start wearing T-shirts and more than an athlete and blah, 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 that's like a battle you're having with yourself. Who, 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 you know, who, who has to stamp that on their chest or on some T-shirt or as some branding deal? Unless you you feel that way yourself, I, I just think I don't take basketball advice from Ted Cruz or Nancy Pelosi. And I think it's a mistake to take political advice from an athlete, and particularly an athlete that, uh, you know, struggles to put grammatically correct sentences together. And, you know, I've said this, and it irritates the hell out of people, but, you know, LeBron James is the Donald Trump of sports. They're virtually no different. They love Twitter and social media. Uh, they're inarticulate uh, via social media, and they're hyperbolic and say things that are polarizing. Uh, and so he, he's just not. I'm not interested in LeBron's political opinions. Uh, I don't think they're that deep, and I think that. You know, if you look at the hypocrisy of how outspoken he is uh, about America and then how quiet he was on what was a clear-cut deal in Hong Kong and China and he had nothing to say, LeBron's political comments are tied to his pocketbook like everybody else that's that passionate about politics. Do you think, uh, as we look at Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, MLS, all these NF, every sport, basically, team sport, I get so frustrated sitting around watching baseball, for instance, not be able to get things worked out to return to play, or the NBA for the same matter as they're discussing what exactly things are going to look like. Because I think many people who are athletes today have forgotten what it's like to build an audience for their sport. They're so used to being super rich 
that they don't necessarily know what it was like for a Magic Johnson or a Larry Bird or even Michael Jordan early in his career when they were building the NBA or a Major League Baseball player back in the 70s and 80s who wasn't making very much money but was building a lot of brand equity. Same thing in the NFL. It seems like a lot of athletes have forgotten that fans pay their salaries and therefore are very entitled about the idea of playing the game or what conditions they're going to play under. You know, Michael Jordan had written in his contract that he could play basketball anywhere he wanted in the country. If he saw a game going on, he could run in and start playing, even though it could theoretically have risked his health because he loved the game so much. And you certainly, if you watch that Last Dance documentary, got the sense that Jordan cared certainly about winning desperately, but also about carrying on the mantle from being the next man up after Magic and Larry. Uh, do we have an issue right now with uh, all these young athletes not really understanding what business they're in? Yeah, I think they take it for granted. And, you know, I want to be careful and not beat them up. I don't blame them. If I walked off a college campus at age 19 and was handed millions of dollars, I I would lose perspective and self-awareness, too. You become an instant millionaire at 19, 20 years old. I got to be careful. I won't say primarily, but basketball is such an elitist sport. There's just a small handful of human beings who can actually play in the NBA. The average height is six foot six. That's, I think, less than about 1% of the world population. And the, so at you know, birth, what you're saying basically is, and it's a good point, like if you're yeah. going to be under 6'6", the odds of you growing up and being John Stockton or, or Tony Parker, like a small point guard, are pretty low. Most of us are eliminated from ever playing the NBA at birth just based on our height. You, you're, it's an elite, small group of human beings that are even candidates to play in the NBA. It's not the NFL, where you can be short, tall, fat, skinny, fast, slow. There's a big, wide variety. You can just be a kicker and not be all that athletic right. and make it to the NFL. In the NBA, it's a select, tiny group of human beings who, who mostly have to be kissed by God at birth in order to play in the NBA. And so I think there's some stat where I think like 17% of American men who are seven feet or taller have played in the NBA. (laughs) So, I mean, the, the stats are just incredible. And so if you're kissed at birth with this enormous athleticism and all these physical gifts, and then all you got to do is make it to age 19 and you're going to be guaranteed this great wealth, yeah, I don't know if the struggle was as hard as, like, I can't remember the guy's name from The Pursuit of Happiness, the movie that Will Smith played in, but your struggle is not quite like his. And, and or a lot of other Americans in other sports or just in other industries that, you know, had the, these incredible odds and had to work their ass off nonstop constantly to even have a chance to make it. And so I just think a lot of these athletes in all sports have made so much money at an early age 
that they naturally lose self-awareness. They weren't part of the buildup. They don't even have the requirement of growing the NBA. All they got to do is, you know, show up, and as long as things don't collapse, they're going to make a huge amount of money. Uh, and so, yeah, I think they're different than previous generations. And it's, it's like being uh, born into wealth. And, and you know, the, the dad's created some business or the mom's created some business, has made a bunch of money, and then you inherit the business. And you've been rich your whole life. And I think they, there's some enormous percentage of second-generation businesses all collapse once the kids take it over. And that's what I see happening in American sports across the board, not just the NBA, but in all sports. There's not a great deal of respect for the businesses, what they did to get there. I don't even know if there's an understanding of what they did to get there. And so they're going to collapse. We get back. We're going to dive in to start off hour number three. Big discussion about race and uh, the intersection with sports, which is a timely one. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold this value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty 
tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2Pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2Pros. If you're just waking up right now, you might have seen me tweet out uh, yesterday evening late that I was going to have a major announcement on OutKick at 6 a.m. Eastern. And I know it's now 5 a.m. Pacific, 8 a.m. on the East Coast. A lot of people waking up across the country. And I'm excited to announce that Jason Whitlock is now a partner alongside of me and uh, Sam Savage, who is uh, working with us on OutKick uh, as we work to build the most fearless and smartest uh, sports media brand anywhere in the country. And I'm ecstatic about adding Jason to our repertoire as a partner in the business. He's been on for the first two hours of the program so far. I know a lot of you listen for 10 or 15 minutes as you're driving into work. You're going to hear us talking uh, for the, the rest of this hour, but I would also encourage you, go sign up for the OutKick podcast. Jason's going to be doing podcasts. He's got his first column that's up right now at OutKick.com about why he's joining OutKick. We've talked a lot about that, and I am ecstatic to have him on. I said to open the show if you told me that I could draft anybody in our industry to come work, if we were having a sports media draft, he would have been my overall number one pick because he makes me think he's got a lot of interesting opinions. He's fearless, which is the brand that I think if you listen to this radio program, you know that that's what we represent. I'm going to try to tell you exactly what we think in an inauthentic age. We're going to be as authentic as we can possibly be. And Jason, one thing that I think is important is Obviously, we want to be successful from a business perspective. I mean, that's what businessmen do. But also, I think a lot of the conversations and discussions and columns and, 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 and all the content that we're going to have is going to be important because we're in a time that is identity politics laden where everybody wants to pull us apart. And one of the great things about sports is it pulls us all together at its best. You know, regardless of where you grew up, you probably had teammates at some point who were different than you. They might have been a different religion. They might have been a different race. They might have been a different, maybe you did some co-ed sports. It might have been a different sex. Whatever those differences are, one of the great things about sports is everybody has to come together. And certainly you see it in the corporate structure as well with people from all different backgrounds ending up on the same team together. But uniquely in sports, I think we can have serious conversations that are honest in a way that maybe we haven't before. And I believe one of the best things about you joining OutKick is I think our national conversation is going to be smarter as a result of you being an OutKick than it was before. And a part of that will be the show. A part of that will be your podcast and your columns. But do you agree that sports allows us to have important conversations that maybe other times aren't addressed as honestly as they could be? I think they certainly used to. Yeah. But as we have seen identity politics dragged into sports, and this I think is happening through social media, because as I said in my column this morning, that for me, my identity is based off 
two things, really. I'm a Christian, and I'm an American. And some of these other things, my race, my gender, my sexuality, my political point of view, just aren't as important as those other two things I mentioned before, God and country. And social media has prioritized your race, gender, sexuality, and political point of view in no particular order. Any of those could be first, I don't know. But they've prioritized all those things well above any faith you may have, any faith or belief you have in your country. It's what's your politics, what's your sexuality, what's your gender, what's your race. All of those things are the most important things about you. And if you if if people disagree with you about those things, they're evil, and you can't listen to them or be associated with them. And we're starting to see this move into the sports lane. And, it, again, it's where my concern is. Is sports the environment, particularly in the mainstream media, to have those conversations? Because I see everybody towing the social media line and hopping on board with the group thing. And that is where I think OutKick and we're going to have a chance to be totally different than everything else in the mainstream media. We are going to be authentic. We're going to be honest. We're going to be uncomfortably honest because I think it for me and I think for us it comes from a place that the truth is actually good for all of us, that the truth actually says something good about all of us. Whatever group you are in or identify with, the truth actually is on your side, and that's why I don't fear it. That's why I embrace it. I think that's what has made America great, and I think that's what has made us the greatest human experiment in the history of mankind and it, it it so troubles me that we're walking away from that giving it up and just giving in to all of this identity politics and it, that's what troubles me about where the sports world is going and so i'm hoping that we're going to capture an audience and be a leader uh, for everyone else in the media and for sports fans that are looking for an oasis, a haven, we're like, oh, my God, they're actually talking common sense here. They, they actually are adhering and bending to facts over feelings and emotion. I think that's the healthy place for everybody, whether you're black, white, Christian, atheist, Jewish, Muslim, whatever, facts, the truth. That will set us all free, and that's what I think we're going to be about at OutKick. Very well said. Uh, So let's go into some of that. Social media, I would argue, is a place that exists for emotion. And it's where people go, and sometimes that can be great, right? If you're on social media and you're sitting at your house by yourself, as Lord knows I have because i got three young kids, and your team wins – It can be a lot of fun to text your buddies about the game that you're watching or the game that you're gambling on, but it can also be fun because you might not have people around, hey, I'm going to go on social media and I'm going to interact with everybody who is also following this game. And it can be emotional. Oh, that's the dumbest decision I've ever seen. Oh my God, what was he thinking when he took that shot, right? That's the way people talk in sports bars. That's the way people talk 
whether you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, if you're a fan of sports, right? All of that, I believe, sports shows us that we have much more in common than we do different. But when there are serious emotional issues and fear in particular is involved, I tend to respond to things logically. I don't even know if I've told you this, Jason, but when I was a kid, I was a scared kid. And what I mean by that is, um, I was hyper aware of murder or robbery or house break-ins or whatever else. And I saw it. It's funny when you become a dad or mom, you can see sometimes your own childhood through your kids. I see it in my 12 year old. Now he's very similar to the way that I am. And I had this conversation with him. I said, Hey, I want you to get a, get a book. I, I went and took him a book and I said, he's a, here's a spiral notebook. Cause this is what my grandma told me. She said, Clay, every, she, she said, I was the same way as you when I was a kid. I want you to write down everything you're afraid of in this book. And she said, I guarantee what you're going to find out is the things that you're worried about almost never happen. And it's really things that you're not even thinking about that end up happening to you that end up being bad that you have to get over. She said, I want you to just call it your worry book. And so, you know, I'd sit in there and I'd be like, I'm worried that when I come home from school and I ride the bus home and I'm in the house by myself for two hours, somebody's going to kidnap me, right? That's 10-year-old boy. You get off a bus. You're walking up to home. My parents both worked. Like, I was terrified, right? Like, somebody's going to be waiting there. They're going to kidnap me. I'll never see my parents again. So write it down. I made it. Didn't ever get kidnapped. Like, so you start writing down all these fears that you have as a kid and you recognize how few of them. I'm worried that Freddy Krueger <laughs> is going to get me tonight. You know, he's underneath my bed. As soon as, uh, as soon as I go to sleep, it's going to be like Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm done for. Didn't end up happening, right? Like all these things that I write. And the way that was important for me, because as I got older, it made me hyper-rational. So, like, I remember being, uh, you know, like, you know, 16 years old, 17 years old. We had all these HIV, uh, HIV meetings. And nobody wanted to sleep with me then, but I was, I was still worried that I was going to get AIDS, right? So, I'm researching everything else. And so, I respond to things that are scary by looking at the actual numbers as opposed to resp- responding emotionally. And sometimes I get into an argument. You know my wife a little bit. Sometimes she'll be like, you're not showing enough empathy. And I'll say, well, I, you know. I don't know what it feels like to be anybody else. I can only know 100% what it feels like to be me. And so facts should unite us. But I see on social media a lot of times if you share facts that upset people, then they get uh, really, really, they want to fight against you. And it seems to me that emotion has taken over all of social media and everybody needs their own worry book out there where they just write down the things that they're afraid of And most of the time, it's not going to happen, right? Am I crazy or does that make some logical sense as I kind of unpacked it in terms of the way we're all like teenagers? Social media is a teenage medium where emotions govern and facts and logic often often aren't followed. It makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons. One, because as a kid, when my parents divorced, me, my mom, and my brother were living in the ghetto. We move out to a working class, we'll call it a suburb, working class neighborhood. And I would be the first one home because I was in elementary school. My brother was in junior high. And I used to sit with a knife waiting for my brother to get home. Because <laughs> you were so afraid, too. 
Yeah, Somebody's yeah, going to come literally. in. Literally, I was. I mean, I just came out of the hood. It was like you know, no one ever left me alone. We was in the hood, and now we out here in this work class. And for an hour and a half, I'd be home alone, sitting with a knife, watching Dennis the Menace. <laughs> and uh, so I relate to that totally. But I also relate to the fact that social media, by design, is there to play with our emotions and to feed our insatiable desire for this little dopamine high, this emotional feel-good. And social media is the enemy of nuanced discussion, rational thought. Look what, if you post something hyper-divisive, that generalizes about the right group of people. If you post the police are the most wicked, evil people on the planet and they're out to destroy all of us, that will get retweeted and liked more than if you said, hey, the police do a pretty solid job and, you know, overall they're a force for good. No, that, that won't get retweeted and liked. And so... It's like the negative energy will get you the negative, polarizing, divisive energy that you put out into social media will get more retweets, likes, and get you more follows. Sean King, his whole feed, particularly initially, was just like, here's what happened negative today for black America. It was a news feed for whatever happened bad to black America. And he built a whole following around that. You can't build a following around, here's what happened good today for black America. No one would follow that. They all want the bad news because they all want to feed into the narrative like, oh, America's rigged against us and we have no shot. And so there's all this negative energy that taps into people's emotion, and I'm constantly having conversations with friends of mine about, hey, man, don't be controlled by your emotions. And in particular, and I say this, and I can say it now because, you know, I'm my own boss, but it's like I don't think that's manly to be this emotional. I just I go, my father, just he wasn't an emotional person. Again, he didn't – he wasn't totally devoid of emotions, but as part of his identity, he always tried to remain cool, calm, and collected and rational. That's the way I was raised. As a man, I can't be ruled by emotions. And I'm looking at men now, just, oh, my God, give in to your feelings. Be ruled by emotions. And I just, th- I just think it's a mistake. And, and uh, you know, we're being told that it's the greatest thing in the world. Get in touch with your emotions. And, and I think that's good for you and your wife, you and your therapist, you and your significant others to get all deep into your emotions. But when I'm out here in the public space and trying to be a leader, a coworker, uh, an employee, a boss, or whatever, I don't want to be all emotional. I want to be rational and calm and driven by facts and evidence and data, not led around by my emotions. I just think the whole thing's unmanly and unhealthy. So I want to hit you with two facts here. Uh, We have dealt with, I think, 
one of the wildest years in American history, certainly for the vast majority of people out there uh, who are younger. I mean, if you lived through World War II, I mean, obviously you lived in a different era than us. But if you're, let's say, 50-ish or younger, this is pretty much the wildest time you've ever lived. I saw this stat uh, on Saturday about the coronavirus. They had a huge study out of Switzerland. If you were under the age of 50, you had a 1 in 18,000 chance of dying of the coronavirus. All right? That is minuscule. All right? That's if you got it. All right? They had 36,000 people they determined under 50 had gotten the coronavirus in Switzerland. Two of them died. That's if you get it you had a 1 in 18,000 chance of actually dying from it, all right? That's a stat. The other stat that I saw from the Wall Street Journal, if you are under the age of 50, in the Wall Street Journal, I tweeted this, uh, this out. It was an editorial from the Saturday newspaper. You are more likely in most parts of the country to die driving to work than you are from the coronavirus, all right? Those are factual data points that I just shared with you they are blowing people's minds out there right now. They're like, what What are you talking about? I'm supposed yeah. to be terrified. I'm sure that people just aren't going to drive to work anymore after <laughs> hearing that stat. I mean, that wouldn't that be the logical response? That's the logical response, right. Okay. Um, when you see that, what I believe, and I want to get into this with you in the next segment, the other bit of data I wanted to hit, and I'm reading from the Wall Street Journal again, which I think has been hyperlogical at times, and I want to give them credit for actually putting out facts in the midst of a very emotional time. So the coronavirus has been an incredibly emotional time. So has the protests surrounding the death of George Floyd. I imagine 99.999%, hopefully everybody, but I'm saying a huge percentage of people, believe that that police officer should be punished if a jury finds him guilty, which I believe they will, of uh, of murder of one degree of murder or the other all right uh but there now is a pronounced fear out there that is not necessarily reflected in the overall data points and i'm reading one paragraph in particular here uh the myth of systemic police racism this was in the june 3rd wall street journal i've got it in front of me right now the police fatally shot nine unarmed black people and 19 unarmed white people in 2019, according to the Washington Post database. Uh, and then they run through exactly what the, the, how they define unarmed. But 19 white people, nine black people, six Hispanic, by the way. In 2018, there were 7,407 black homicide victims. Assuming a comparable number of victims last year, those nine unarmed black victims of police shootings represent 0.1% of all African-Americans killed in 2019. So 99.9% of all black people who were killed, nothing to do with the police. And again, I'm not saying that police who behave inappropriately shouldn't be punished. They should. Uh, but I'm setting the table here for what I think is an interesting uh, discussion. The paragraph finishes, by contrast, a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. So I'm laying out all those facts. I got to go to, let me check the time here. I'll give you like two minutes to respond, and then I want to unpack that a little bit more. Those are facts. If you share those facts, then many people get angry with you about the coronavirus or about police shootings because they're very emotional topics. 
How do we have an honest conversation, Jason Whitlock, when facts, if they make people uncomfortable, you get attacked for sharing them? I'm not sure if you can in these times at mainstream media outlets, and I give the Wall Street Journal credit for publishing that, but that having trying to have a discussion about that on TV and trying to have an honest one about that on TV is very difficult to do because everybody that's on TV, generally speaking, has a Twitter feed that they're addicted to yep. and their boss is addicted to, and they don't want to deal with the fallout of the Twitter lynch mob that will come after them and perhaps put their jobs in jeopardy. So this, again, where I go back to social media has eliminated fact-based discussions and has baited us all into an irrational fear and then having very serious and allegedly thoughtful conversations about irrational fears that aren't based in any sort of fact. And I saw young kids are being traumatized. And because I saw someone post a video on social media of a kid that was talking about how scared he was. And, and, and these are were, kids like us, by the way. These are, if we yeah. were young kids in this era, in this social media era, we'd be terrified of the coronavirus. We'd be terrified of the police. And uh, that, that emotion would be encouraged by many of the people that are around us. And it's, it's traumatic, and they're, bl- they're like blaming the police for this fear when it's actually the media and those of us addicted to the media and social media that are promoting an irrational fear. It's just the police are just, generally speaking, over not going to harm you. And do the police make tragic criminal errors? Yes, they do. All, all human beings, I can't say they all, but human beings make tragic criminal errors. Your child is more likely to be killed by a drunk driver who, again, behaving irresponsibly, drunk, will kill your child far more likely than a police officer would. Do we ban driving? Have we demonized uh, people who drink and drive to the level we have demonized the police? And yes, I get that the police, hey, they signed up for a very difficult job, but let's be realistic. They follow the orders given to them by politicians, and they don't make a lot of money doing it. They're doing a job that now has been demonized and they've been disrespected. They've been given no thanks for risking their lives, and many of them do, including many of them that may or may not have a racial bias, but it, their racial bias may not explain all of their actions. Let's unpack this a little bit more. We're trying to have an honest conversation in a fundamentally dishonest world. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. All right, let's circle back around to the conversation we were just having, Jason, because I think it's an important one. People say, hey, we want an honest conversation. That's what they always say. Hey, let's have an honest conversation. And then as soon as anybody says something, uh, particularly in the world of race, as soon as anybody says anything that makes 
just a little bit uncomfortable then we get maybe even a Drew Brees-like situation, right? It's what happens in social media is people say they want an honest conversation, but what they really mean is I want you to tell me that you agree with whatever I already believe in, right? Which is the exact opposite of an honest conversation. And uh, do you agree with that in general, that that's where social media has led us to, hey, let's have an honest conversation. And what I really mean is I want you to pair it back to me what you know I already believe. Yeah, that, that's certainly the case. Uh, it, it, it's I, I I have harsh views of social media. I get criticized for having those harsh views because I'm on social media. But you know, I, I think it's no different than I have harsh views about being overweight, and yep. I'm overweight. But I'm right that, you know, (laughs) my harsh views about being overweight are accurate, and that's why I'm trying to address those issues. And so, yeah, I'm on social media, but I think it has dumbed down and promoted a level of groupthink and divisiveness that's really unhealthy for America and has really hurt public discourse. And so we are enacting policies and making changes uh, to America based off faulty premises, dishonest narratives, and the absence of actual fact. And, And so it's just like this whole police discussion. If we can't even move close to the truth in terms of there is a reason why a large number of black people have animus towards the police, and it's really not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's driven by police brutality or police behavior. I think it's driven by mass incarceration. Yep. And uh, you know, we we had this policy of a drug war, and we started really putting the screws to nonviolent criminal behavior and giving them long sentences. And the thing I've tried to explain to people about mass incarceration and just incarceration in general, it's not just the person in prison who does the time and is impacted by doing time. It's anyone that cares about that person, their family members and friends do that time with them get caught up in a narrative like, man, the system and the police, the prison guard, they're all evil people, and they're all doing all these bad things. And so there's a bitterness because we have chosen punishment over rehabilitation. And if you choose to punish this large number of people, you're going to create a culture that is bitter about that and expresses bitterness towards the system. But, again, we can't have that conversation about where the real animus is coming from, and it's why we've been so slow to embrace prison reform and reform in the criminal justice system, because any time that gains momentum, someone brings police brutality into the discussion, and we start trying to fix a problem that... Is it's bad any time it happens, but it's not so pervasive that it should be prioritized over some of these other problems in the criminal justice system that we should be addressing. And so, the convert this dumbed down conversation we're having 
is stopping us from talking about real solutions and the real problems that we face in America. It's interesting because I, you know, before I ended up doing this, I practiced law and I had some experience in the criminal justice system. And what I would say, I was talking earlier about feelings and versus facts. And I would say that an interesting part of being a lawyer is you have to be empathetic for your client's story and be good at telling the client's story to understand it. But then you have to be incredibly logical to balance that out by looking at the law to make the best argument possible. Because no judge wants to see a lawyer standing up crying in front of them, uh, you know, trying to make a case for a client. Or at least if you're going to do that, it probably is not going to work that well very often. And so it is interesting because... I think oftentimes the emotion, while it might feel good to be emotional and you might feel like you are accomplishing something, very often it leads us into making decisions that aren't in the best interest of the country or even the people we're trying to take care of. Let me give you an example. The data reflects that when uh, police are uh, protested most aggressively, in this country, whether it's Ferguson in the recent history, Baltimore or Chicago, that the result is police pull back from being police in those communities after the protest and the murder rate skyrockets. So it's it, it feels good to be angry at the police. But then when the police step back and aren't policing, the overall violent crime rate goes up and end up victimizing the same people who were trying to protest in the first place. Right. So. It's, it's really very easy to be angry. It's a lot harder to get results. Does that make sense? So, Oh, it, it, it makes perfect sense, and I'm glad that's where you went. I was hoping that's where you went. This whole, if you defund the police, what they should label that is we're going to increase murder in poor black communities. Amen. Just I mean, that's what the data reflects. Accurate. That's not even uncertain. That's a clear result of what happens if you defund the police. Just label it accurately. We want to increase murder and violent crime in poor black communities. That's what this whole movement is about. Anybody with a brain can see that that, if they take the actions they're suggesting, that's where it leads. If you just go, go look at the cities that are having all these major protests, if you go look at what just happened in Atlanta, I believe, Saturday night at the Wendy's. Yes. If you're, that cop immediately got fired. The, the, the victim was drunk. He got violent with the police. He grabbed a taser gun and uh, the cop shot him, and it's unfortunate what happened. I get it. I understand the pain of losing someone to a police altercation. I get it. But what are the police supposed to do? And if I were Atlanta policemen, I would just say, hey, man, I'm not going to aggressively pursue criminals. I'm just not. And if that is the case, these inner cities will become even more deadly than they were before. So you have to ask yourself, are we really interested in protecting black life or are we interested in punishing white perpetrators? That's the entire argument in question. This whole thing of we, we care about black life I think is bogus. We care about white perpetrators. And if you're interested in black life, 
it doesn't matter how you were killed. You are, it doesn't matter who the perpetrator is. You're upset and bothered by the destruction of black life, and you want to stop it regardless of who the perpetrator is. And so I, I just, this tactic and approach will lead to more violence in poor inner-city communities, and I don't think these anarchists and the elites on television and in the celebrity and athletic world – I don't think they give a damn. When we come back, going to close with some positivity. I'm ecstatic to be working as a partner with Jason Whitlock now at OutKick. Go read his latest column. This is OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis. Like all people who run a business, we want to have a successful business, but On top of that, we also want to make a difference with what we're doing at OutKick. I think it's an important time uh, for a black guy and a white guy to be working together in the world of sports with an audience. Jason Whitlock, I want to finish with some positivity here in a big way, and there's going to be a lot of it at OutKick over the, the coming days and weeks and months. But what do you hope to accomplish with OutKick over and above the business success, which I think we are going to accomplish? Well, with all the endeavors I've been involved with over the past decade after, you know, reaching a certain level of success, I've always tried to be involved in building something that uh, empowered and supported black creators and thinkers and uh, media talent. You know, I was involved with the foundation of the undefeated website at ESPN. Uh, the final product of Speak for Yourself, I think, is, you know, the last couple of years is one of the best. And everybody was a participant on the show, but it was one of the best black television shows that we've ever had in sports TV. And so I hope to identify uh, some young black kids that I think uh, can help us grow an audience and help develop them to be fearless journalists who, you know, are slaves to the truth and, you know, slaves to an honest conversation and just are fearless, not afraid to engage with anyone. And so, you know, I want to continue along that path of trying to develop and give back to, you know, people that remind me of myself when I was younger, or, you know, and again, that has nothing to do with them agreeing with my point of view. Uh, but I, I, it's just no different than the Darnell Smith kid that I brought on to speak for yourself. He went to my high school. He grew up in my neighborhood. He played football, ball state like me. And it's just very gratifying to give him a leg up and a start in this career. And I, I hope, you know, at some point, in the near future to be able to do the same at OutKick for some young people. Yeah, I'm excited about that idea too. I I would say this. I am, for people who listen to this show, as I get older and I've got a 12, a 9, and a 5-year-old, one of the things that that makes me fearful going forward is we. You, I keep saying on this show because I think it's important, everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Everyone is not entitled to their own facts. And it feels very much like to me that in a particular in a social media age, everyone feels like they're entitled to their own facts or even worse, that their feelings should be reflected in the facts. And what what I would say is this. 
whatever you believe, there's evidence it exists on the internet. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be like Bigfoot. It can be, you know, aliens. It can be uh, the fact that everybody's going to die of the coronavirus. There's somebody out there who's making that argument, who has got that video up, who's got that viral moment. And so what I want to do is, I think with Jason Whitlock now, we have got the most fearless and the smartest sports uh, media company in the entire country. And I hope, and, and, and look, I know you said the same thing earlier, Jason, but my hope is that we can have and help to instill more honest conversations among people who may look different, uh, but actually find out that they have an awful lot in common. I'm old school in that respect, in that I think everybody out there listening to us right now, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, gay, straight, whatever your religion is, I think we all have a lot more in common connected through the world of sports than we do different. And I think now everybody's trying to slice and dice us all up so that we're all different and we're not the same. And I think ultimately we do have a lot in common. So I want to bring back the connective tissue of sports to everyone. And I think we can be a small part of elevating that conversation. I just can't tell you enough how excited I am to be in partnership with you. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And if you haven't already, bookmark OutKick. Make sure you subscribe for the podcast. And and I know the audience is responding because I've seen what happened with your television show. And I know what's happened with this radio show. There's a huge craving for the content that we're going to provide. And I can't wait to get rolling. I I can't wait either. I think you made an excellent point about we've got an anecdote-driven society. That's right. An anecdote-driven worldview. And that's just very dangerous because, and I try to explain to my friends, I was like, hey, white bigots have anecdotes they can use to justify their belief. And so let's be careful about demonizing all the police based off of isolated incidents from a few cops. And so if we could just get back to facts and the truth and having a worldview that's based on more nuanced information than just here's this video i've got that proves my point that all police are terrible uh and so yeah i i think and i said this in our in my column this morning i just hope we what you and i do together and what we do at outkick is a part of bringing us together because there's just so much momentum trying to push us apart that i hope that we're an antidote and try to be a haven for people that still believe America is a great melting plot and we're all better together than we are apart. Amen and well said. Download the entire podcast. Read everything at OutKick. I'm Clay Travis. He's Jason Whitlock, and we're partners now. Check it out, OutKick.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.